When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I've only listened to him start the show for 10 years, and I can never remember his opening line. Welcome to the family. family. I'm Tom Bernard, and filling in for Tom Bernard today is Doug Sprinthal. Andy Brad Bernard. Featuring Mike Gelfan. And co-superstar hosting on remote access is Tim Lammers. We'll be right back after these exciting announcements. Do you want to do an ad? The first exciting announcement is for me. Go ahead and take it, Doug. Why, yes, I will. If you're in the market for a new or late model used car, it would behoove you to know about Walzer Automotive Group's Walzer Care. It's an exclusive 10-year, 150,000-mile powertrain warranty. Comes on every new car sold in Minnesota and about 80% of our used cars. Major medical coverage for your car, and this is the best part. It's free. Walzer Automotive Group. Walzer.com. Michael Bryant, Brad, Sean. Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, We're just trying to represent people who have been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries. How many people are out there in different, not in the law business, that love to run around scaring people before you even get to them? Well, adjusters will want to settle cases and they want to close files. So based upon that, they do what they have to. Um, I think there's a lot of circumstances where they probably act as attorneys where they're not attorneys and they try to explain people's rights or they give them a certain view that if they look at it. And what I always say is this, if the adjuster really truly thinks the offer they made makes sense, they'd have them come see us. And that's exactly my my question is, you have to understand who has the best, your best interest in mind, correct? Well, you want to know what your rights are. You know, whether yep. or not you decide yep. you're going to hire us or not, that's a choice. It's a free consultation, and you want to understand what your, all your rights are and what coverages you have. And plus the fact, I hang out with you, so you got to be a good guy <laughs> if I'm hanging out with you. Uh, maybe. <laughs> uh, okay. Ladies and gentlemen, Michael Bryant, Bradshaw, and Bryant. Hey folks, it's Brian Zepp, and spring is finally here. If you're like me, you're seriously ready for some wind therapy. Make sure you and your motorcycle are good to go with Dennis Kirk. Whatever you ride, Harley, Indian, metric cruiser, or sport bike, you'll find what you need at DennisKirk.com. 160,000 parts and accessories in stock, clothing and helmets too. Order before 8 p.m., and they ship the same day. Plus, shipping is free for orders over 89 bucks. Follow Zepp's lead and head to DennisKirk.com. They ship today. And we 
We are back. Tim Lammers is on the phone. Uh, it's kind of funny. I picked up Mike, and we were having a nice chat and waiting for Tom to show up. Andy comes in and sits down, and we're chatting with Andy. And he says, all right, let's get the show started. And I said, yeah, well, where's your dad? Oh, he didn't tell you he's not going to be in? It's like, oh, shit. Apparently not. So we're going to have fun. We've got a couple interviews lined up. The talk and text line is open. And that number, I'm going to turn my head and get it, is 561-228-4061. Right now we're just waiting on uh, John's call. We're waiting for our guest to call in. Tim, how are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. You don't have Tom, but you got a T-I-M, so I'm mm-hmm. subbing. Close enough. In a way. <laughs> Close enough. Yeah, I tell you what, I mean, I was on the morning show, obviously, today, and uh, I am so hopped up about this series, The Offer, which is about the making of The Godfather. If oh. you're a Godfather mm-hmm. fan, this is a must-see, man. It's so, good, uh, huh? Oh, it's terrific. I mean, it really really takes a deep dive into the making of the film and all the trouble they went through to get this film made. Um, it's, it's uh, again, I was warning that, look, I'm a Godfather nerd or a fanboy, whatever you want to call me, so maybe I'm overhyping it, but I know Tommy was planning on watching the uh, first three episodes tonight because it's starting off at three and there are 10 episodes overall, so it'll be one a week every Thursday after this. So, uh, again, I, I, nothing but amazement from my end anyway. And, and what's, it, what's it streaming on? Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, okay. Yeah, Paramount. It, you know, of course, The Godfather, Paramount Picture. So, obviously, there wasn't any resistance from the studio <laughs> about making this, but... You know, like that, that, that Winning Time series on HBO Max, there's definitely resistance to that from the Los Angeles Lakers like Kareem and Magic and Jerry West is really pissed off now. Um, so that's another great series, though. Mike, I don't know if you have HBO Max, but, you know, what a great sports drama. Oh, yeah. I know. I've, I've heard good things, and I'm, I'm, I'm almost done now with the second season of Breaking Bad, so I'm, I'm moving along pretty well. <laughs> I, I refused to watch it originally because I contended that it should be called Breaking Badly. And, uh, you know, I realize that's kind of being a little bit picky, but, you know, I'm slowly catching up. I, I, uh, I only have to live to be about 112 now to catch up with all the things I keep meaning to watch. Mm-hmm. Every night I say I'm going to – I'm almost I, – I got through the first episode now, just the first episode of uh, Better Call Saul. So oh, wow. I, I feel like I'm making progress. But uh, it's it's a long haul because I'll turn on the TV, you know, with good intentions. I'm I'm about to about to watch uh, the next episode of Better Call Saul, and, and then I like gets distracted, like oh the the twins are playing tonight. Oh, well, I yeah. think I actually might have you beat in the uh, being behind in the behind the times department. Yeah. Uh, so two years ago, I think for the first time, watching Three's Company. Sound of Music. Oh, the Sound of Music. Yeah, oh, wow. that's rather wow. old. How old is that? Like seventy years at this uh, point? Well, it's not that uh, old. It's probably sixty-three 65. or four, something like that. Let's, Mary Poppins, yeah, yeah. Sound of Music, all were like early sixties. Sound of Music. Oh yeah, sixty-five. Well, still, I mean, it's uh, it's getting there. Yeah, I, I still uh, I still regard Julie Andrews as a sex symbol. So that shows you kind of where my head's at. 
I I agree. I, I and I, I not when the sound of music came out. I had not. I wasn't even close to going through the change. But yeah, <laughs> uh, later on in the seventies, I'm like, she's pretty cool. Yeah, pretty, she's pretty 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 cool. Yeah, you know, and it's interesting because. She was married to Blake Edwards for a number of years, yeah. and once he started doing movies like Ten and Sob, she was in films with him. And she was a little bit more risky with her screen image when she was doing the stuff with Blake because Blake, oh sure, you know, yeah. provocative, you know, not completely provocative, but you know, from a comedy standpoint, certainly. So that was an interesting time of her her career. And I'm trying to think of Blake. Yeah, Blake actually directed Victor Victoria as well. Yeah, that's right. And they did the stage version of that opened it did previews in minneapolis so she spent a good month here uh with blake and the other cast members uh doing the previews here which is pretty cool we nice. got our guest on the phone all right all righty so uh tim you want to introduce him i certainly will uh i'm very excited about this john Elfonte, welcome to the tom bernard family podcast um i was telling the guys off the air that um, when you stepped in for, um, uh, for, for Steve Walsh for Kansas 40 years ago, what a gutsy move, but man, you immediately made it your own. And it was obvious to me right from the get-go that this guy has the pipes, not only that, you can sing, but all the material on Vinyl Confessions uh, to me, it's it stood shoulder to shoulder with anything that Kansas had done previously. So, my God, you know, having uh, played a part in, in the chapter of this famous group, it must be tremendously satisfying. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on, guys. Um, it wasn't easy, <laughs> I can tell you that. You, know, you, you don't just walk in and fill Steve Walsh's shoes easily. I mean, he's one of the best singers ever, in my opinion. Yeah, absolutely. But it really seemed like you guys gelled right away. And obviously, you know, with Carrie Livgren and, you know, writing songs together, obviously Robbie Steinhardt, you know, God bless him. He's no longer with us. But uh, I also had the opportunity to see you in concert uh, for the Vinyl Confessions tour 40 years ago again. That's crazy. Now, John, I'm kind of upset, though, because I was in the seventh row and I waved to you, but you didn't wave back. So I'm wondering what's going on with that. He doesn't like bald guys. I had hair there. Well, I'm I'm waving right now, so I'm I'm giving back. There you go. Uh, oh yeah, back terrific. Back. You know, yeah. Obviously, you got a, a new album to talk about, but I also wanted to mention because, you know, when you've done um, tours and you've gotten on stage, I know you've certainly done covers of Kansas tunes. Um, but I shared earlier today with Cassie, who booked you on the show. Uh, your tremendous version, your cover, your recorded cover of Dust in the Wind. It is just so yeah. stirring. And I'm wondering if at some point, you know, obviously, again, you can cover stuff on stage during concerts, et cetera, et cetera. But do you think that at some point you'll probably cover some more Kansas tune, you know, and give it the sort of spin that you want to give it? You know what? I've thought about it. Um... I mean, there's no plans as of now, but it would sure be fun. It's just, here's the only problem is the originals are so good. Mm. You know? Mm, yeah. I, tr I tried doing a cover with Phil Keggy. I don't know if you know who Phil Keggy is. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, Morning, Morning Has Broken by Cat Stevens. By the way, he did, Cat Stevens didn't write that. 
was written in the 1920s hymn. It was in the hymnals. Yeah, I think it's actually in the 1800s or so, because my wife is a big church musician, and that was the first time I discovered it. We were playing in church. I'm like, wow, they have Cat Stevens in the hymnal? (laughs) That's unusual. You know who who played piano on that? I'll bet you don't know. Uh, I'm going to say, was was it George Martin? Rick Wakeman. Rick Wakeman, okay. But anyway, we tried doing a cover of that song, and we tried, and we tried, and we never could come even close to the original, so we just we just tossed it. So that's why I'm a little afraid to do Kansas covers, because the originals are so good. But again, yeah, you're, you're vocal. To... I'm sorry, go ahead. Well, yeah, that, that, that's true. I mean, that's true, but... If Knowing I, how I like to stick the original melodies, you know, would probably sound pretty similar. If I could make a request, if you ever tour Minneapolis, um, please don't do a cover of Purple Rain. The one, the second worst thing for Minneapolitans about Prince dying, the first thing was that he died. Mm. The second was that every band that's toured through in the last six years has covered Purple Rain, mm-hmm. and we're sick of it. <laughs> <laughs> I promise I won't do that. Thank you. Know, you. Purple Rain is really Purple Rain is a is a is really a ripoff of the Journey song. And did you ever hear the story? I mean, they talked about it. Journey forgave Prince for stealing uh, that Journey song that it was derived from exactly. Hmm. I did, I, I've never heard that before. Wow. Oh, yeah. Well, they actually, I mean, any... there, were some words, there were some words that went back and forth. You can research this. Some words that went back and forth. I mean, I don't know if they were coarse words, but... Um, Jonathan Cain, I guess, who wrote, I'm trying to think of the Journey song. Uh, anyway, he, he told Prince, look, man, we love what you did. We know it's, you know, it's the same exact chords. Just forget it. Just go on and do it, man. Hmm. Apparently Don't it's worry. from Faithfully from uh, the Frontiers Faith- album. Oh, okay. If you listen to the Faithfully, it's identical to Purple Rain. No kidding. Yeah, he asked for their blessing to record it. He was like, uh, yeah, this is pretty similar. Can I do this? And... Uh, Apparently they let them. Huh. Well, if you do any covers, you you can do any other Prince covers. I I saw Paul McCartney here uh, not too long after Prince died. In fact, there were flowers still on the sidewalk. He did a cover of Let's Go Crazy, and it was awesome. So, yeah, Purple Rain, maybe we're just sick of hearing it. But, yeah, anything else from Prince, man. You're welcome, John, to do anything you want. Yeah, maybe like (laughs) Sexy Motherfucker. (laughs) (laughs) uh that might uh not work uh yeah so you know another thing i wanted to mention john you can say that on the podcast yeah just not too frequently yeah uh one one thing i wanted to say to you uh john as well i mean uh, you wrote uh some songs with your brother and there's a song on the saint elmo's fire soundtrack that i still love to this day young and innocent man i mean you know i obviously showed right away too that Yes, you could work with Kansas and you could fit in and mesh with their sensibilities there. But also, too, you could go out on your own and, and do some awesome stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I certainly try. Um, you know, that song, Young and Innocent, was on deck to be the next single. And that was that was supposed to be the premiere song on the record as far as hit, you know hits, hits go. But the movie just took a, a dive quickly. Mm-hmm. And the funding got pulled back, so we, we, we couldn't release it as a single. 
Yeah. And that record well, was up for a Grammy. Well, we got beat out by um, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh. Well, you certainly can hear the uh, song and the album again, folks. Young and Innocent. Uh, just build as El Fonte. Uh, on the uh, on the record, so um, why don't you tell us about Amazing Grace? Uh, the, your newest album is this ten years now? Was it? Or I, I believe I was reading. You know what? People have told me that, but it didn't seem like that long. I mean, I have no explanation for why so much time went by. I think for me, to make for me to make a record is a very laborious process because I'm writing it, producing it, engineering it. Uh, I'm doing everything just about except for you know playing drums and bass and guitar, but it's, it's, it's very hard for me to make a record. I mean, when, when it's done, I'm very, you know, very satisfied. This particular record wasn't really supposed to happen. And COVID hit, uh, I think we got locked down here about March 9th of 2020. And it just seemed like the perfect time to woodshed to make a record. And there's a, a guy that would be sending, he'd been sending me songs on Facebook and they were okay. You know, it's like, and he kept sending me more and more and more. And they got better and better and better. So we met, and I said, man, we don't have a budget to make a record. I mean, record companies, they just don't hand out budgets the way they used to. He says, I'll pay for it. And I tried to talk him out of it. Cause, you know, so he paid to make this record, and you know, from then on, it was like, okay, we're making a record. And it's just uh, one song at a time. It was supposed to be an EP at first, and then we went, nah, let's do a whole record. Well, what's what's really fine. great is that you still have the desire and the passion to be doing this. Like I said, Vinyl Confessions was 40 years ago, and I'm sure you were, you know, doing music, obviously, before that. So, you know, it's interesting how some artists at some point, they seem to figure, you know what, I'm just going to let the old stuff kind of carry me the rest of the way. But then again, John, I mean, here you are with Amazing yeah. Grace, and I think that's a great thing. You know, I, I always wanted to, I mean, this is not necessarily the reason I did it, but I always wanted to prove to the guys in the band, they had a lot of respect for me, all the you know, guys in Kansas. I always wanted to prove to them that I could go out and do some pretty cool things on my own, you know. Uh, although having the backdrop of Kansas certainly doesn't hurt. No, it I mean, doesn't. It and big... again, from the very beginning, I mean, it's like you, it, look, sometimes people replace you know uh you know vocalists known vocalists with new folks and you, you don't envy the position that they walk into you got you with kansas you had jason chef with chicago but again i just think if you can come in and make it your own the way you guys did because jason too i love everything that jason did with chicago uh, i really admire I just, how I you just, had the fortitude to succeed I just, I just did a show with jason a couple of weeks ago he's a good friend Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I, I still love his stuff. And in, in fact, he did something with Jay DeMarcus um, yeah, from Rascal Flats. And they, I know they tour as a smaller group. And I know Dean Castronovo of Journey was part of it. It's kind of like a, a mini super group that they do some dates with. So what you need to do, John, is, is get together with uh, um, DeMarcus and Chef and join them and come up here and do something in Minneapolis. They asked me to join them. They did. This, this year, I had too many conflicting dates. I think the name of the band is Generation Radio, isn't it? It is. It is indeed. Yeah, you can see some of their videos on YouTube. And the interesting thing is, and again, this kind of goes back to 
the way I think that you made Dust in the Wind your own. I mean, there's just something special about the recording that, I don't know, it, maybe it's a freeing feeling in a sort of way when you get guys like you who can record something that was, you know, uh, done by Steve Walsh originally, or Jason recording uh, Will You Still Love Me with Chicago, but yet at the same time when he comes back decades later and does it with Jay DeMarcus, um, Will You Still Love Me? It just seems like it has this fresh new life. So it seems to me oh, that yeah. you guys are on the same plane when it comes to this sort of stuff. Yeah, Jason, Jason and I, we, we, we talk a lot and we have a lot in common. I will tell you a quick story about um, how Dustin the Wind came about. It was just to give you an idea of how good Nashville musicians are. There's, there's an outfit called Leadership Music in, in Nashville, and they all get together, and they're all like the who's who of the hierarchy of, of music in Nashville. And they were walking through our studio, the Sound Kitchen, one day, and there was about 10 of them just come piling in the control room, and my brother Dina, who went through leadership music, she goes, let's whip up a version of Dust in the Wind. Mm-hmm. That was that was all live, one take, nobody rehearsed it. Oh. And that's what that's what that's what happened. Exactly what you hear on that record, if you will, is what they played that day. Wow. Oh. It no, is there's, oh there's no over- guys you gotta hear this recording. I mean, it is an incredible rendition of Dust in the Wind. I, I have a Nashville story for you that you might enjoy. I was down there actually on a KQ show, and I'm a <clears throat> excuse me amateur musician. I played guitar for I don't know 69 million years, and I went to uh, Groon Guitars, and we're wandering around with my wife, who was also a, a musician. And the guy says, "Can I help you?" And I says, "Yeah, I want to go up on the second floor where all the stuff is that I can't afford." And he goes, "Okay." George Groon, come to the show floor, customer waiting, and come down comes George, and he looks amazingly like a friend of mine that I played in a band with for years. And we go up, and he's taking us through the collection, and we're sitting there talking to him. And my wife is really interested, and they're striking up this really uh, uh, great conversation. And for those of you that don't know who George is, he is uh, probably that shop and maybe Norman's Guitars in, in uh, California, the two most iconic guitar stores in the world. He sold oh. Dickie uh, Betts and Dwayne Allman uh, guitars. He sold uh, Clapton parts that made up his Blackie Stratocaster. I mean, it's, it's just, it's like, you know, a, a mecca for, for guitar players. And he's talking to my wife for a while, and he goes, do you want to see some snakes? And she's like, Okay. Well, uh, he trained as a herpetologist at the University of... Um, oh, literal snakes. Yeah. Huh. We go into his office, and there's just snake cages everywhere. And within about five minutes, she's got pythons wrapped around her arms. And it was it was really the most unique, interesting yeah. afternoon. I just thought we were just going to wander around and look at $50,000 you know, Stratocasters and stuff like that. And we wound up spending the afternoon with George. It was just wonderful. Wow, that's, yeah, that's a great story. And he is apparently really accessible, so if you're interested, just ask for him, and he apparently works there all the time, and just, I think he's a little bit on the spectrum, if you know what I mean. He mm. just seems, he's quirky and odd, but most musicians are at some level. He's one but of those he's, geniuses he's very, yeah. that's like, yeah, that's not, just, on the, not on the same plane as the rest of I us. I said, how did you get from this, you know, zoological training to this? And he said, well, I'm really not sure how it happened. <laughs> just did. You, know, you, you, you just you just described Carrie Lisgren, in my opinion, without a doubt, as a genius. 
Hmm. Really? Um, does does, but does, when you does meet he it, have unusual hobbies? Do you have? Do you collect things that people might not suspect you collect? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> but Carrie, Carrie, you say has some sort of similarities. No, no, Carrie just is 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 one of these guys. He's he's just a he's a freaking genius, man. I mean, you see it as soon as he sits down at the guitar, or especially the piano, because he's doing one thing on his right hand and a completely different thing on his left hand. That's what makes the sound of canvas. His right hand's going do 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 do. His left hand's going da 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 da. You can hear the sound of Kansas when he sits down at a piano. See what I'm saying? So that real syncopated, real cool stuff that Kansas does, I think, is derived from what Carrie's ability is to do that. Well, you think that's impressive? I can rub my stomach and pat my head at the same time. Oh man, he's he's something else. <laughs> when you walk away from a piano and you just you know socially talk to him, you you wouldn't know it. He's such a regular guy. Hmm. You know. Well, it's interesting then. So how intimidating? Obviously, again, you're walking into a situation where you got Walsh's voice that you're following, but then you get a guy like Kerry Livgren. Because correct me if I'm wrong. I know I think you wrote some stuff with Dino uh, on Vinyl Confessions, but also you did some stuff with Livgren on there too, didn't you? Yeah, we did. So is that intimidating then, the first time? No, he's the kind of guy that doesn't make you feel intimidated because he doesn't know how good he is. He just does what he does. And, you know, they needed some songs on Left Overture, and I think he they had a couple of days off. I heard. I think I heard Philly Hart saying he went back into a hotel room or something. Or, and, then he comes, and he comes back with, like, The Wall and, and uh, Wayward Son. The Wall what? is such of a brilliant song. The Wall is. Um, I'm wondering, I'm you know. That. I'm sorry. Go ahead. Uh, I'm not sure that was the song, but I know I know Carry On Wayward Son was one of them. Oh, certainly. Well, I, I'm just wondering, and you get these sorts of questions all the time, and it might be easy for somebody to say, you know, play the game tonight is is the one, the 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 the, the song you love most on on vinyl confessions. But I have to tell you. Uh, John, the, the the bridge in Play On, for some reason, man, that just moves me. Every time I hear it, that, that nice break in the middle. Um, but also Chasing yeah. Shadows. I mean, and I know you wrote Chasing Shadows, and you certainly performed it. It was actually, it guys, you know, I'm re- referring to the guys in Minneapolis here. It was at the old Met Center, which is actually now the site of the Mall of America. But I do believe that's where we saw you uh, on the Vinyl Confessions Tour. Uh, but yes, yeah, such striking songs. And do you have any that on that particular album that you have an affinity for? That would be it. It would be Chasing Shadows. And I think it never got its due. I really mm. think the song, I think the song could have been a monster hit. It sounded nothing like Dust in the Wind, but we wanted something on the record that was kind of like Dust in the Wind, a ballad, you know, with that kind of eerie, you know, cool feel, and and uh, the deal and I came up with that song, and, and and never found the light of day, and I don't know why, because everybody that talks to me about that record, that's the first song they bring up, even though Play oh, the Game wow. Tonight was top five. Maybe well, that's one I'll cover my own. It, 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 now, I have to just make sure to point this out. It was the first full song I brought up after bringing up the bridge on Play On. So, yes, that was on the top of my mind, John. Okay. 
Maybe I'll cover that one. I'll cover my own. <laughs> hey, John, there you go. John, we got to take a quick break. Can you stick around for a few more minutes, or do you have something you've got to jump to? I'm good. All right. Uh, we'll take a quick break, uh, some messages from our sponsors, and we'll be right back with a more of the John and Tim show. Dan Chesky's here from Dan's Southside Marine. It won't be long now until we start seeing boats on the water. Warmer temps and open water are coming soon, Tom. We have inventory in stock now from Alumacraft, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou with more arriving daily. What's the secret to finding a boat you're looking for this year, Dan? My recommendation is to shop now, pick a model, put your name on it. Our team of pros at Dan's Southside Marine will have the knowledge and experience to get the boat you want equipped the way you want it equipped. What about financing options? Right now, we are offering low-interest financing options up to 144 months with qualified credit. Ask for details when you visit the store. Alumacraft Fishing Boats, Premier, Avalon, and Manitou Pontoons, all powered by Suzuki Outboards, are in stock now with new boats arriving daily. Dan Southside Marine is located just six blocks west of 35W on 98th Street in Bloomington or shop online at dansouthsidemarine.com. Tom Bernard talking with Brad Huckle and Michael Bilski of North American Banking Company. We've talked a few times over the years about how North American Banking Company has helped local businesses when they're ready for expansion. We love talking about the success of our customers. One example is suburban manufacturing in Monticello. They create innovative products that produce clean, dry air that is needed during the manufacturing process. We recently helped them expand their business. Moving into a new building gave them the space they needed to add new equipment and production lines. We were able to step in quickly and provide the financing they needed when they needed it. When we help businesses like Suburban Manufacturing with their expansion, it's beneficial for our customers, but their growth also creates new jobs in our community. So they make stuff that produces clean, dry air for manufacturing after working with Bilski. Do they breathe easier with their business belt? We certainly hope so, Tommy. And that's no hot air. Nice one. Why not bank with my banker? North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, and equal housing lender. You all have helped build MyPillow into the incredible company it is today and have trusted in Mike Lindell to give you a great night's sleep. Mike's latest incredible deal is on the Giza Dream Sheets, which you've heard me rave about before, that's for sure. These sheets are made from the world's best cotton, Giza. They are ultra soft and breathable, yet extremely durable. Right now, the Giza Dream Sheets at its lowest price ever. These sheets are 60% off, coming in as low as $39.99 with promo code TOM. We are back. The family, Doug Sprintel, filling in for the absent Tom Bernard. And we are just having a delightful conversation with uh, John Elefante, uh, led by Tim Lammers, uh, who didn't know that John was going to be on and turns out to be a huge fan. So we're just going to sit back and listen to part two of the Tim and John show. Well, yeah, thank you, Doug. Um, and, and again, John, thank you so much for all the time and sticking around. Um, you know, it, it's interesting when I hear you talk about. Can you hear us? Yeah. Hello. Yeah. When when yeah, you know, I'm, you're there. I'm here. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, so you know, you were talking about the business and thinking. You know, look, uh, uh, young and innocent really should have been a hit and it should have been released properly. And and the idea that chasing shadows really didn't get the due that it deserved. Um, you know, it's funny enough, and I was just telling the guys before you came on that I, I uh, just previewed 
the first three episodes of a movie uh, of a show on Paramount Plus called The Offer, which is the making of The Godfather. And you see all of these internal struggles with the studio system and all the, you know, people locking horns and, and you just butting heads back and forth, et cetera. Is that, I mean, obviously the, the music business, was that a shock to you coming in to Kansas, realizing that you really do, you're not just a hired gun here. I mean, you really had something to say. And I think you said it well with your songs on that album. But was it still a shock to you to be enveloped in the business side of it all? Yeah, I mean, when I when I joined, they told me that look, we did we weren't only looking for a singer. We had we wanted to bring in another songwriter and a singer, and you filled the bill for both. That's why we hired you. And they made no qualms about that, and because you know uh, Steve Walsh took a lot of the load songwriting wise. So, you know, when they replaced him, I think they wanted to replace him with a similar moving part. And that just happened to be me. And it was the first time I heard them play a song that Dino and I wrote when I was, when I first met the guys a couple of days in, down in Atlanta, we rehearsed it in, in a fairgrounds, uh, an abandoned fairgrounds that was made into movie studios. And I walked in and they started playing It's Time to Face It, <clears throat> a song called Face It. Mm-hmm. And they had already... They had already done an arrangement. Robbie comes in with the violin, and they're doing all their Kansas stuff to my song. And I'm just, I can't, I can't even tell you what, what was going through my mind. I mean, I'll never forget that moment as long as I live. When I first heard it, you know what I mean? It's like, whoa. That's what. That's when I realized that it was like the dream was really, really did come true. I wasn't just dreaming. John, I have a question for you. As a songwriter, what comes first for you? Is it lyrics or melody? Always melody. So you're like 90% of the writers. That's the way it usually works. I'm just floored by people that do it the other way around. Most notably, of course, Bernie Taupin and Elton John. How you would just get the lyrics to your song or Benny and the Jets or name it and go, hmm, I think this might fit. It just, it just blows my mind because I, I've written a few songs that you've never heard of any of them, but like you, it's like you, you come up with a melody and the chord progression, and you kind of you'll usually have an idea what you want it to be about, but then you fit in the words later. And I, I watched that great uh, recent Beatles documentary about Get Back, and, say, yeah. and they get to the words really, really late. I mean, Paul McCartney's just humming stuff, and he might have the title or maybe a bridge, but that's it. Yeah, and, the melody's done by the time yeah. they start writing the lyrics, basically. That's that's the way that I do it. Like, for instance, you were talking about Chasing Shadows. It's like, you want this specific melody. na 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 Na, 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 na. You know, you want that melody. You know, some of you may know me, and then you kind of retrofit the lyrics to the melody. And you know, if you don't have the right, you just keep working on it until you can fit the the, the lyrics to the melody. That's that's the way that I've always done it. Yeah, that, well, you're in good company. I, I don't know if you've seen that Beatles documentary, but it's ter- it's just amazing to watch how they work. And their roadie, Mal Evans, who's this guy's like 6'6", he's giving Paul McCartney ideas like, well, why don't you say this instead? And he goes, oh, okay, and just changes, <laughs> and it was just some crappy song like Hey Jude or something like that. <laughs> some song no one's ever heard before. But, but, yeah. but little did the guy know that 
if he would have gotten writing credit, he would have made a few million dollars from that oh, one God, line. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah give What's me point oh one percent, which translates to how many millions? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. You know, John, I have to point out too. I mean, and and, and it's great that they brought you in for your songwriting sensibilities, because when you listen to Vinyl Confessions, man, and not only Chasing Shadows. It's funny because the, it, the, the, a lot of these songs are dramatically different. I mean, even the kind of the big band, I don't know how you describe it, feeling of diamonds and pearls. But it seems to me that the lyrics are every bit as important than the melody is. And, you know, for a deep thinking 17 year old guy who just, inv- you know, I, I ate up the lyrics for Rush. Right. You know, that kind of this weird philosophy stage in my life. You know, to, to get this album and not only hear the great tunes, but to read the great lyrics along with it really meant a lot. And I think that's why this album still sticks with me 40 years later. Exactly. It's um, it's pretty amazing. <laughs> I, don't need to, I don't need to say a lot about that. Yeah. So what are the chances we're going to get Generation Radio with John Alfonte and Jason Sheff uh, coming to Minneapolis at any time? Well, this year's slim and none. I mean, we're just there's too many conflicting dates. But um, I don't know. I mean, they they both got me on a conference call one day and asked me to to join, and you know, I just I just couldn't do it at the time. I mean, almost every date they were they were spouting out to me. I was I, I had something else going on. That's pretty nice, though. After 18 months of not being able to tour, it's got to be a good feeling to have a full schedule. Yeah, COVID really, gosh, what a weird time. I mean, I'll look, you know, we'll, we'll all look back and just go, oh my gosh, what was going on? Yeah, I, I, we didn't know when we were sick of it. We, we, you know, we didn't know if it was going to kill us all. We didn't know if it, if it was the end. We, I, I, you know, I had all these weird thoughts going through my mind, but I tried to stay very positive. And, and in fact, you know, so, so we can segue over to my new record. A lot of the songs on the record are very upbeat and positive because I wanted people just, you know, that, that heard this record to not be scared of it, and that, we, that we can get through it. The song called Stronger Now, the first single, that, you know, when, when, when this too shall pass, I can either become strong on the other side. And I think you know, a lot of people are, but they, they made it through and they're, they're elated. And so there's, there's a lot of positive message songs on The Amazing Grace. Um, very few downers, and you can you can go to my website if you if you want to buy it, johnalafonte.com. You can buy the European version, or you can buy the North American version. It's a really good record. John, can you give the uh, website again? We're having all of a sudden we're having some weird feed issues. You sound a bit like Max Headroom. <laughs> it's at johnalafonte.com. Uh, that time it came out pretty good. Thank you so much for being on the show. It was really a treat, and I think you made Tim Lammer's day, and I also uh, realized why you don't wave at bald men in the seventh row. <laughs> I've never heard you with such a fanboy before. The time, This was just an amazing coincidence. So. Oh, yeah, it sure Look, was. Here, here's the thing. Look, again, people, they think that okay some guy comes in to replace this iconic singer that they're just not going to be up to snuff you were more than up to snuff john you were you went far beyond that and 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 like i say i don't think there's anything greater than making something your own 
and you certainly did. And and again, that's why people like me are want to break out that album forty years after it came out. Well, that, that's a great compliment. But I'll tell you, not everyone was happy. I'll never forget there was a night that uh, out of nowhere, because you know you can't see that what's coming from the audience. A guy grabbed it. A bar of dub soap and threw it at me, hit me right in the face. It, it really oh. hurt. Because I, I, you know, I wasn't braced for it. It's like I didn't, couldn't put my hands up or anything. It's just bam. That seemed to be common back in those days. I remember mm -hmm. I was at a Frank Zappa concert and somebody thought it would be a good idea to throw a roll of toilet paper at Frank. Um, Frank stopped the band and pretty much gave the guy a five-minute lecture and then had him thrown out of the show. So. <laughs> Anyway, thank you so much for uh, for being on the show. It was really terrific. And uh, next time you're available, we'd love to have you back. If you're ever touring the Twin Cities, we this is a live broadcasted podcast, and we often have people in the studio. So let's keep in touch. And keep up those messages guys, of positivity. Good... You got it. I, I appreciate it, guys. I really do. Good, good conversation. All right. Thanks, John. All right. All right. Cheers. Thanks. Tim, you saved my ass. <laughs> that was just the timing was perfect. Well, yeah, I, he was, you weren't prepared at all because you had no idea. I that. was just going to. Tom always interviews the guests, mm -hmm. and you kind of throw in a couple of snide comments once in a while. And every once in a while, I'll say, It's a musician. Why don't you ask him some music questions? And so uh, it's like, What's your well, favorite well, you know, key? Yeah. Tim was basically just asking all the questions I had planned to ask. Yeah. <laughs> took yeah, all Mike, the words right out Mike of your mouth. Mike is pissed at me because I kept on stepping on his questions. No, look. Uh, I, it, believe it or not, I mean, obviously, well, I'm 57, so uh, I grew up with the three TV sets. Everybody assumes that I just grew up in movies. No, I grew up with the record player. Yeah. And really, I mean, when you, it was getting a new album was an awesome thing when you're a 17 year old guy, and uh, you know, going to concerts and you know, just happened to seeing, you know, ha I happened to see John Alfonte with Kansas. I mean, what a great stroke of luck. Now it would have been great to see Steve Walsh too, but again. I'm telling you, if you listen to that Vinyl Confessions album, and there's another one after that that he did, and, and honestly, and I didn't want to bring it up, I don't know why uh, he left or they asked him to leave or whatever after that. You know, if they asked him to leave, it was a big mistake. Um, but he really, you, you, you don't want to sound exactly like the guy before you. You want to, again, make it your own, and I think that's exactly, he's one of the few guys that's been able to do that. Yeah. And him and Chef from Chicago. I mean, imagine following Peter Cetera. And, well, who uh, had to follow Terry Kath? I mean, that's oh, yeah, it's got a long yeah. history of great singers following great singers. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, yeah, it, it just so happens that it just was just such of a fond memory of my youth. And, uh, you know, I, I do interviews all the time, too, so this was easy for me i hate to say it but you know it's it's so much fun when you have more time well with you people. make it look hard <laughs> well thank you sorry I no, you no, just left it wide no, open no, but, no seriously seriously i have situations where like I, I interviewed andrew garfield and gil birmingham last week for their new show under the banner of heaven i had four minutes Imagine trying to have a conversation in four minutes. Yeah, yeah. You can ask one question. Especially when your questions take three minutes. Yeah. Well, they do. I, I am a blabber. <laughs> no, but I'm, it was, you it know, was I, also, also evident to me right away that this guy had time to talk. So that was good. It was, it was fascinating. Um, and I didn't want to, I didn't want to say anything at the time, but I, I do have my own. I don't know. I know very little about Kansas, but I, I do happen to have a very personal story 
about the first time I heard dust in the wind. Now, I don't know. Do we need to go to a break now? No, no. We got, we've so we got, got a couple minutes. Five minutes or so. Yeah. Okay, well, it won't take that long. So anyway, uh, I, was, um, I was over at some friend's house. My wife and I were. And uh, he said, hey, you got to hear this. I got this, this new album here. And, uh, and that was the first time I heard Dust in the Wind. Now, since I've heard it about 42,000 times, mm-hmm. and, and uh, I can't say I welcome hearing it one more time, but it's a great song. And, uh, and so uh, at, by, the time, by the time that, that I uh, heard the whole song, there was kind of a silence, a, a reverent silence, and uh, I started to tear up because uh, it's a very profound song. And a friend of mine said, oh, man, he said, you know, uh, you're, you're crying. I said, no, I'm not crying. I just got something in my eye. <laughs> oh, my God. Hey, You I'm didn't know where ask, that was going, though, did that's you? That's a long run for a short slide. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I am going to ask Cassie, because I sent Cassie the link to John's version of Dust in the Wind. I'll ask her to forward it to you, Andy, so you can play just a little bit. Because right from the beginning, musically, it's brilliant. And it's amazing that they got that thing. What did he say? One in well, they recorded it in one day, but one take, one take, yeah, yeah. one take, one take. That's yeah. I mean, stunning. It is. It's a stunning. It, put it this way: it's a lot more complex. Oh man! Than, than the original recording. And what people? I don't, I don't think it has the violin. It might have synthesizers. What people instead. listening to this don't know is I needed six takes to tell that joke. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, so this, is, this is heavily edited, and we, we just make it sound. Together. We you know, have like that, that kind of razor sharp timing, you know, that just doesn't come it's right not out. Natural, no, no, not at all. Hey, uh, well, I got, Tim, while you're on the phone, uh, give me the uh, your review of this new Nick Cage movie. I'm actually tempted to go into a movie theater to see it. Uh, I think it's brilliant. Uh, I gave it a 10 out of 10 on the Lamameter, which is a how, very How rare... often do you do that? I don't remember you not, ever giving... Not very often. Wow. Um, you know, and, and, and it's funny enough, the last couple I remember were both documentaries, the um, Danny Trejo documentary, Inmate Number 1, and Won't You Be My Neighbor, which is a Mr. Rogers documentary. I saw that one. Um, yeah, it, it's just such of a terrific film, but, you know... I, I, I complain to Tom all the time. I just, when you see so damn many movies, you just want originality. And this whole idea, idea of getting Nick Cage to play uh, a fictionalized or a heightened version of himself is such of a genius idea. And probably the only idea, uh, it, I mean, only Nick Cage would work with this idea. I don't know if you could do that with any other actor. And you kind of all, you realize it all when you're watching the movie unfold. But Tom and Catherine and Mike Bryant and uh, Beth went to it yesterday. Oh, so, so I, I wasn't. Did you get an invite, hey, Mike? No, no, Mike and I weren't invited. <laughs> I, uh, no wonder he's not fans here. Wait for his call. Uh, maybe you bastard. know. Sometimes the mail's a little late in my neighborhood. That so. might be it. <laughs> yeah. We probably ought to choir when we get home. Yeah. Yeah, but so, yeah, definitely see it. So you're saying that... So much fun. What I don't understand about this, not having seen it, is... But I can't imagine Nick Cage taking it up a notch. I'm sorry, it just doesn't register. he's always at 11, right? Yeah. Well, funny enough, Mike, um, I interviewed the director, Tom Gormican, and his co-writer, Kevin Etten, for this, and I used the word heightened uh, version of himself in front of him, and he says... I don't think that you can get a heightened version of the case. I think exactly. he is up there all the time. <laughs> but it's really funny to see he really is convincing. In mm-hmm. the movie, he plays uh, actor on the skits. 
He he uh, can't get worse. All right, don't give any more yeah, of it yeah, away. I, I want to yeah, go see him. But so yeah, so you're really gonna love this this premise. I'll check it out so. and I'll report back. Uh, we're gonna have to wrap it up here. We're gonna take a little break. Car selling secrets will be on in a couple of minutes. Uh, we've got a special guest, kind of a. It's a little. We're we're gonna have a mood shift. Let's just say that. So we're gonna get all serious for a little bit. But stay tuned. T- thank you so much, Tim Lammers. You totally saved the show. Um, <laughs> thank you so much, Doug. Because well, my talking first question would have been, so what's new? <laughs> <laughs> great job, Tim. It's kind of thank you, thank you, Mike and and Andy and and Mike. Great talking with you again, and Doug as well. I used to be on Thursdays, but now I'm on Tuesdays. Yep. So, all right. Well, uh, next time you need a guy to pitch in for an interview, just give me a call. Excellent. You'll be on the top of the call list. And that wraps up the family podcast. We're going to take a short break and be right back with Walzer Automotive Group's Car Selling Secrets.